With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everybody? Mike Curlin here of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast, and I'm stoked to be collaborating with Rotoballer again in 2021 with the Bases Loaded Podcast continuing as part of the Rotoballer Radio Network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball fanatics their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer's 2021 MLB Draft Kit is live. And all Bases Loaded podcast listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's draft kit by using the discount code Bases Loaded. That's Bases Loaded, all one word. Rotoballer is home to number one fantasy pros accuracy ranker Nick Mariano. Nick's 2021 rankings and projections are available as part of the Rotoballer draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, our top draft sleepers, more than 300 2021 player outlooks, and all of this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with the discount code Bases Loaded. Just go to rotoballer.com slash bases loaded and get your draft kit today. And they're walking him with the bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second that walk off home run. Grand slam. Hello and welcome in everyone to episode 143 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And tonight I am joined by Zach and George. You can follow them on Twitter at BrafZ at Roto underscore Nino. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Feels good to be back with you. This is what, like the third week straight? I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Yeah, maybe you're maybe we've form already, man. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Maybe if we made this a regular occurrence, we, but uh, we actually have a voicemail, and it's funny because when you hear it, it references both of you. You think I don't think you're involved in this one, but people. What do you mean voicemail? What are you talking about? We have voicemail. Yeah. Now? So yes, and we're gonna make that very clear. I should probably have the number ready. You would think I'd be a better host, but what we are doing is we're trying to change things up, have a little fun with the podcast, and include you, the listener, a lot more. So what we're going to do is when we do live streams, we're going to be taking live calls like the radio. When we do podcasts, we're going to be playing your voicemails live on the podcast and answering your questions to said voicemails live on the podcast. So you can actually be a part of the show. If you call the number, and yes, this is like a regular phone number. You call it. It's set to go to voicemail. You just leave your question there. You can tell us who you are, where you're from. You could you can be. We have some fun, uh, <laughs> interesting stuff tonight from a, from a good friend of the show, but in the future, you can feel free to ha- leave a message, leave a comment, or leave a question. We'll gladly air it on the show. But anyway, back to that phone number. It is area code 904-990-4833. And you call that number. You leave a voicemail. You can text it anonymously if your friends are in your league. We will be able to answer your questions on the show. So when we ask for questions, I'll continue to tweet it out. I'll continue to promote it because we want you to get more involved in the show. So tonight, we reached out we got three voicemails so we'll be playing those at the end of the show and we also have some new sound effects it's gonna be fun it's gonna just be like i said a little bit more of a, a more of a fun vibe around here i mean our podcast we've been very very uh thankful for all of you listening and we've just been thinking we want to have a little more fun because it's becoming such a saturated market 
that we need we want to stand out a little more we want to let our personality shine a little more people that listen to the show know that we have plenty of personality that's not a problem but we figured let it let's let's bring it out a little bit more let's have some fun so hopefully you guys like the changes we're going to be making same hosts just a little more flair to it but Jeez. enough about the show enough about Ooh. the show I wish I had a. I wish I wish I had a soundbite to play right yeah. there. Like, the, the, shut up! <laughs> whoa, whoa, what? Okay, I, you know what? I've had enough of you. I want Move my sound. This man. That is for you. That is for you, Zach. I put this on tonight before we started, just for you. <laughs> We're not even five oh. minutes in, and I already no. get it. So you get it, then and, and ooh, I, this I, man. Yeah, I thought you'd like it. That's for you, buddy. Yeah, that's All pretty right. solid. I'm just, I'm, I'm concerned about how much spam we're gonna get on this new phone number of ours here. Like, who well, knows what it, kind of stuff's gonna come in? The best part does it, it doesn't affect you, right? Guess whose no. phone it's linked to. Yeah, that's all you. Good luck. Yeah, I, I purposely have notifications turned off. I will check it obviously before we run shows. And I'm gonna call phone. and text this in the middle of the middle. I, of have, the night. I can see. I can. I, I can see your phone number. You're in my contacts. I'll use a different phone number. Then you'll. Then <laughs> I, I have just, multiple phones. It is in. It is on again. The notifications are off, so I won't get them until I look for them. I, I know better. I I thought about this. I'm like, I can't yeah. give my real phone number, so I got a fake one that links to my phone. Anyway, enough about this. George, the big news. <laughs> after all, I mean, not, don't get me wrong. All this is fun. We are excited to see what direction the show goes. But, George, you have a new gig, man. Tell us about it. You, you finally were able to announce it. Big things. We're so happy for you, but I'll let you take it away, buddy. Yeah, so I uh, made it official last Monday. Uh, I've been uh, hired by NBC Sports Edge, uh, formerly known as Roto World. So it's been uh, rebranded into NBC Sports Edge. But, yeah, I've been picked up over there. So, uh, it's just the, the next step here and you know, my path in this fantasy industry. And I'm excited, excited for it. Yeah. See, that's why I love this thing. I'm already having too much fun. <laughs> that is yeah, awesome. That, that was right. Right on cue. But man, honestly, George, you know, we've been doing this, this going, we're going on year three. We, st- uh, we hit our two year anniversary earlier in February. I just missed it. So that's my bad, but we, uh, we've been doing this together now for going on three years now, guys. So it's awesome. Uh, yeah. we're still going strong. And after three years, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks this is a new trick we're having some fun on the show but anyway we're gonna talk outfield part two but we're gonna change it up normally we'd look at adp and all that stuff what we're gonna do tonight we covered the top 25 in adp per nfbc drafts prior to uh or this episode and tonight we're gonna focus on guys going outside the top 25 in adp and what you start getting into is a bunch of globs a bunch of players that kind of have similar uh, skill sets values if you will so what we're going to do is we're going to highlight five each that we like going outside the top 25. We don't know each other's lists. Maybe we'll meet up on some, maybe we won't. But the idea is to just touch on 15 names total. And then we're going to go ahead and give you one of our favorite deep league targets, which is going outside the top 380p. And then we'll talk a little bit of risers and followers for points leagues and why said players fall. And of course, I took some criticism in a good way. And we're going to try to incorporate more strategy talk because player analysis is very easy to come by, it feels like. But strategy can be spoken about more. So we're going to try to incorporate player analysis, different league types in terms of points leagues tonight, and strategy. And, of course, we have listener questions. Questions? Listener questions. Uh, any questions, guys? It's going, to be a, it's going to be a busy night. No? All right, cool. We can, we can get right into it. So I don't know who I want to start with. You know what? I know who I want to start with. George. Tell me your first outfielder outside the top 25 that you are targeting in drafts. Yeah, so uh, my first guy, um, 
He's going right now at about 109. Uh, he was going actually a little later uh, before he signed with the Indians. But uh, Eddie Rosario, uh, like Eddie Rosario uh, a lot this season, uh, hit 257, 13 home runs, three steals, uh, big big power surge the last couple seasons. And really, like nothing has changed in his profile uh, from 2019 to 2020. Still, uh, Good strikeout rate, 14.7% strikeout rate. Actually hit the ball uh, more in the zone. 87% zone contact rate was actually an improvement. Just uh, looks like really, I mean, it's just that BABIP, uh, low BABIP of 248. He's usually right around 300, uh, just a little over 300. Last couple of seasons, he's been uh, under 300. But yeah, I think uh, Rosario is pretty good value, you know, for uh, there in, in Cleveland. Should hit in a good spot in that lineup. Uh, I, I think well, we're going to get the old Eddie back, you know, 280 average, 30 home runs, chip in some steals. So, yeah, Eddie Rosario, I think I think uh, he could probably like he should be going maybe like 20 picks earlier. But so he's the last part of a tier for me that, uh, you know, in that like Lourdes Gurriel, Nick Castellanos types. Uh, and he's the latest one there. So, yeah, I like Eddie Rosario where he's going. It's hard to not like him. I feel like he's just always underappreciated, especially this year coming off what was not even a bad year, just not to his standards in terms of like batting average. And I'm wondering, I mean, Cleveland, they're he's going to hit in the middle of the lineup, but how good is that lineup going to be around him? I don't think it really matters. I think he's still going to be solid. And I think he's, like you said, I think he's similar to like a Lourdes Gurriel without, uh, without the price tag. Zach, who's your first guy? So what podcast would it be if I weren't to talk about a Met? I really didn't want to do this tonight, but drop the sound bite. Drop the sound bite. <laughs> do it. No, I, I, okay. no he's waiting. Who's okay. this man? <laughs> oh, God. I'm getting tomatoes thrown at me as we speak. Uh, but the reason that I want to bring this up is because you actually tweeted something out today, Mike. You tweeted out your, what was it, your outfield OBP ranks. and Outfield, getting, first base. First base, excuse me. Luckily, this guy is eligible at first base and outfield, and it's Dom Smith. Which and adds to his value. It adds to his value, but um, I've been in a few drafts recently where I've seen Dom Smith falling pretty significantly, and I think we both of you have been in some drafts in our group chat. We've been talking about how, I think Dom Smith fell to like pick 200 or so for you, Mike. Uh, but I just, I, I see that he's falling quite a bit in drafts and I, I don't think that people should be passing on him. I understand the concern, the concern of yours in your tweet earlier today, Mike was about his playing time, which I get, but it seems that um, management and the coaching staff, they they feel comfortable enough with Dom Smith out in left field. So I think Dom Smith is pretty much going to get everyday reps either in left field or if Alonzo does get a day off, he'll go into first, go to first base. But I also think that if he does start in left field, I think we could see guys like Pilar or Almora come in later in the game as a defensive replacement. And Dom Smith is a superior first baseman to Alonzo and Dom Smith will probably move to first base late in the game. So I really don't think that Dom Smith is going to lose that many at bats. I mean, they need to keep his bat in the lineup. I mean, he's one of the best hitters in that lineup. He showed last year what he was capable of. He actually dropped his launch angle about 5% made him more of a, a line drive hitter. I don't know if he was just trying to bring more power to his game and it kind of messed him up a little bit. Uh, but he's kind of getting back to basics, and it showed last year um, he had the, uh, a 10% launch angle and a career-high barrel rate of 13%. And, yeah, I mean, he was just hitting the ball as hard as ever. 
And uh, if he can kind of do that this year again, be more of a line drive complete hitter going the opposite way, I think Don Smith is not going to leave this lineup. And I really don't think he should be falling past 200. I mean, uh, right now ADP is 133 for the past two weeks. And his high was about 108, and his low pick was 170. I, I don't think he should be going close to 200. I think if he falls in your draft, I think you should scoop him up because I think he's going to be a great value. And like you said before, first base and outfield eligible. So I, I want all the Dom Smith shares I can get if he continues to fall. Right now, Dom Smith is going around the likes of Dylan Moore, Byron Buxton, Eddie Rosario even. Which one would you take him over all those? I would take Dom Smith easily over all those. You even, even Eddie. And it's not just the Mets fan bias. Dom Smith showed last year that he's a complete I, hitter. I like what I saw from Dom Smith last year. I just don't know. Again, it's you're taking a guy like Dom Smith in the hopes he's getting that playing time. He, you mentioned defensive replacement. If Alonzo's hitting really well, you think they're just gonna take him out for defense? It depends on what if he's up, it depends if he's up to bat the next inning, probably or so stuff like that. So it's gonna be hard to tell. I think Dom Smith is interesting because of the fact that obviously if they get the DH, then that's secured and he's a value right now because he's falling. Like you mentioned he is falling. I pulled up the ADP for draft champions leagues since the first of the year. I should probably be more recent because I know I got him around pick two. I got him really low. I probably said, I wonder if I set his min pick in an FBC format, but either way. So in uh compared to Roto though, would you say he's somebody that you would like more in points and OBP leagues? Because I think that's part, part of a skill set, although he is a good average hitter. So would he pretty much remain the same in terms of value to you? Or I honestly think he's got pretty pretty comparable value in both uh, yeah. OBP leagues. I would give him a slight boost in points leagues. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't strike out. Um, but ton. the power is kind of like whatever. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I mean, I think you could expect maybe like 25 home runs if he gets a full season of at-bats in there. But, I mean, I think the person that really should be dropping in ADP is, is Alonzo. Uh, I'm a little concerned if he does struggle a little bit, then he's going to be the one that loses playing time. So it's something to monitor in spring training. But I, I personally, I feel almost a little bit more comfortable with Dom just because of his flexibility than Alonzo, who can't play anywhere else. Yeah, I completely understand that. And a guy that I'm in on already, and I shouldn't do this like because I know there's I know the risk involved, but here I am taking it anyway. And I'm just I really like Trey Mancini. And last time we saw him. He was damn good. Like, I don't think people realize how like he was so solid. And with with Mancini, it's all about health. And the Orioles have pretty much suggested he's good to go. He's going to be good to go for camp from day one. We have spring training starting this Sunday. So we should see Dom Smith in the lineup, I would assume, right away getting those reps. And you have to remember, in the two seasons of, of the final three prior to 2020, I, sh- I said final three like he's retired or like he had like a – it's crazy. My, my apologies, the way it came off. But in two of the last three seasons prior to the medical issues, Mancini posted a 290 batting average while hitting at least 24 home runs. He did hit a career-high 34 home runs in 2019. That was with the juice ball. But regardless, you got to think as a player, he can return to at least what he was in 2017, which was a, like a 24 home run guy and mentioned batting 290. And he, with that ballpark, with Camden Yards – as Mancini's home ballpark, we know he can still outperform the 24 home runs. He gives you multi-positional eligibility, should play every day, and bat in the middle of a not-so-terrible lineup, actually. So Trey Mancini is a guy that I just see myself falling into and liking a lot in these early drafts I'm taking, I'm doing. Yeah, anybody, I like that call. It could really pay off where he's going right now. 
I think there's a lot of upside there, but people want to cite the health. However, it's like we saw Carrasco come back from cancer and be very successful and do well. So it's like Mancini, this isn't like a broken bone or Tommy John or a knee injury. This is cancer, and it's hard to say how it's going to affect him, but as long as he's healthy and back in shape, I think he could still more or less return to form. Maybe not be as good as he was in 2019, but a comparable, you know, 2017 version of himself. So I'm in on Trey Mancini. Uh, George, go ahead. Who's your, other, who's your next guy? So my next guy is uh, someone I am all in on this year, uh, and that's uh, Ian Happ going at pick 164. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think he's just incredibly undervalued right now. So his 2020 uh, put up a slash line of 258, 361, 505. 13% walk rate, 27% strikeout rate. And that was with the 317 BABIP, 12 home runs, one steal, uh, 47% hard hit rate, 10% barrel rate. I mean, all that in and of itself is worthy of this price where he's going right now. I just think that it, it, it doesn't tell the whole story. Because if you go back to 2019, uh, he, he actually started the season in the minors, didn't start the, the season until late uh, in, in July. And 2019 actually was when his improvements really started. I mean, he's grown a lot. So 2019 was 100, uh, it was um, 156 plate appearances. He put up a 264, 333, 564 slash line, 9.6% walk rate, 25% strikeout rate, 11 home runs and two steals in those 156 plate appearances. Um, that was with a 286 BABIP, a 13% barrel rate. And really like what helped the most is he came back from the minors and showed growth in his ability to make contact. Uh, in 2019, it was 82.1%, up over the 70 and 77% he was putting in 2017, 2018. Um, so really made improvements there, and it carried over into 2020. Um, before September 3rd, and you'll know why in a bit why I'm citing September 3rd, but from the start of 2020 through September 3rd, in 146 plate appearances, he put up a 311, 421, 648 slash line, 15% walk rate, 24.7% strikeout rate. So all those gains that he showed in 2019 carried right over with the 81.8% uh, zone contact rate, 11.5% barrel rate, 52.9% hard hit rate. And this was through September 3rd. So if you put those two together, 2019 and 2020, it's a sample of 302 plate appearances in which he hit 286 with a 12% barrel rate, 45% hard hit rate. It was a 323 BABIP over that sample. 21 home runs in those uh, 302 plate appearances where we are giving a lot of guys credit for much smaller samples than 302 plate appearances right now. So I, I think Ian Hatt made some legit gains, but on September 3rd, he took a foul ball to the face. Uh, he described it as hitting, like scratching his cornea. He wasn't able to see, took a day off, returned on September 5th. And from then on in only 85 plate appearances, that strikeout rate went back up to 31%, uh, percent, and he, he really didn't do much the rest of the season. I do think that that foul ball really affected him um, to finish off the season. So I think just the sequence uh, of the events here, like if he had finished the season off the way that he had started, or maybe if he had it, I think that 2019 went under the radar because he started that season so late. But I do buy into the growth that he showed coming back in 2019 and then carried it over into 2020, almost identical. So I think that uh, Ian Happ, I mean, tweeted out um, yesterday that I, I think he could be Michael Conforto 100 picks later. I mean, the plate discipline's there. The uh, 
strikeout rate what was carrying over you know 24 25 percent that's right about where michael conforto is you're gonna you can expect maybe like a 260 270 average and a ton of power chip in a few steals so i i think conforto is someone who hap compares very favorably favorably to and he's going 100 picks later so i'm all in on ian hap i think he is one of the most underrated uh players in the draft this year yeah i wish i had more ian hap i'm usually a big ian hap guy i've always been an ian hap guy but this year I have no shares yet. I feel like that would have been a perfect time for a, a sound bite there because George clearly is in love with Ian Happ and all of his Happ shares. My goodness, that was very in, in depth. <laughs> I, I, I think I think you guys are enjoying this almost as much, if not more, than me. You I mean, want I th- me? I think you should be using this new toy of yours more personally. But anyway, back to Ian Happ. So George, I mean, you think he he gets full time run in what center field, corner outfield, somewhere? Oh yeah, he's playing every day and he's going to lead off. I mean, yeah, he's got everything going for him right now, and he's going at a good price. I mean, I got I got all the Ian Hap shares, so yeah. I hope we draft together after all, and I can take him from you just to piss you off. It's pretty funny. Every every time I see George post like his draft or whatever, I see people just like so pissed that they're in the same draft room as him because he always takes everybody that everybody wants. Because I think we've learned, especially in these industry leagues, wherever you want to call them. Or a high, whatever you want to call them, high stakes, et cetera, et cetera. These formats that we're playing in, we kind of just go out and get our guys at a certain, at a certain point. Yeah. ADP means less and less to us. So, yeah, like people maybe think they can play the ADP game and then they realize they can't yeah. because yeah. we go. And here's a guy that I'm really high on because I'm skipping you because I want to talk about him. Zach is a hundred Dozier, a guy that I just find myself falling into consistently. And a lot of it, not only is he a good outfielder, he's going to have multi-positional eligibility. And because of that, like that as to his value, I know this is about outfield, but I really like Dozier because I think he's going to bounce back. He did have COVID last year, which obviously affected his gameplay. He had six home runs and four stolen bases in the process, however. So he should still come in, and he wanted to steal more bases last year. There's no reason why he won't come in wanting to steal more bases this year. Stolen bases are a tough commodity to come by, and I think Dozier can give you upwards of 10 while giving you 20 to 25 home runs, he might hit for like a 250-ish batting average, but that's fine. You can take the batting average hit because you're going to get the power and speed here. And again, he's going to be—he's right now currently available or el- available eligible at first base, outfield, and he's going to gain third base eligibility. He might hit. He's probably shouldn't even say might or probably. He's pro- he's more than likely going to hit in the bottom half of the lineup. But that makes uh, but his power and speed combination can help make up for that. And the team around him isn't bad either. The Royals are surprisingly a decent lineup. So Hunter Dozier is a guy I find myself targeting a lot. A lot of it's opportunity. A lot of it's some potential. And then, of course, the eligibility. So I don't really have much else to say about Dozier. Last year was kind of just a bad year again. And I'm chalking a lot of it up to COVID for him. Zach, where are you at on the next guy? Well, it's so fun to like everything. But, yeah. Yeah. I think we could expect a nice bounce back here from Dozier. I think that's a good pick. Um my guy that I'm now I don't like it. I don't like my pick anymore. I was you kidding. I was I was being nice. I actually really didn't like it. Um, <laughs> That's the, what I like. <laughs> one of the guys that I am intrigued by is Dylan Carlson. Um, Carlson has the potential to be a five category producer. Really like what he did in 2019. Um, back in at, it was in AA and AAA. Um, hit 315 at his AA stint. Over 429 in his Triple A stint, uh, OBP over 400 in Triple A. Um, between the two, I mean, he stole 20 bags. So you're looking at a, a double digit stolen base potential uh, for 2020. Um, 
I also love the the lineup of Cardinals, obviously with the Arenado addition this year. Um, this is actually a really strong lineup. Uh, one through six, feel really good about it right now. Per roster resource, Dylan Carlson is slotted in the, in the five hole. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he moved up a little bit, especially if he produces a little bit. Uh, possibly maybe to the two hole if Edmund or DeJong struggle out of the gate. Uh, so I think there could be a primetime lineup spot for Arenado this year. And I mean, he finished, he obviously it wasn't the prettiest audition last year in the big leagues, but he ended up finishing pretty strong. Um, once he came back up, uh, from the alternate site, a couple home runs, um, on base percentage around, uh, three thirty in his final stint with the Cardinals in the past couple, in the last couple of weeks of the season. But, um, and he also, he was hitting the ball really, really hard. Uh, it's obviously a small sample size, but a 42% hard hit rate for Dylan Carlson um, in his 2020 season with the Cardinals. So it feels like we could see, I, I feel like it's a possible upside pick. Uh, he could perform really well. I feel like it could be a good safe floor as well, especially with his five category production. If I do pass on maybe some of those elite outfielders early on, I feel like Dylan Carlson could be a good bet. Uh, right now his ADP is about 142 the past few weeks here. Uh, his high was 120, and he's going as low as 182. So, I mean, I feel, I feel like if you can get Dylan Carlson in the 150 range, I think it could turn out to, be, turn out to work out pretty good in your favor. Um but yeah, I mean, the Cardinals, I think they're going to compete all season long, and I think Carlson's going to be a big part of it. Dylan Carlson, a good thing also is that when he came up, you mentioned he performed a lot better, even though, again, short sample. But they showed their confidence in the young kid when they brought him into the playoffs as their cleanup hitter. Maybe yeah. that was out Maybe that was out of necessity. Who knows? But I think he's guaranteed a top-five spot in that lineup, and Carlson could – give you the 20 home runs, the 20 stolen bases. He has that kind of like, just it's like a high floor. I feel like there's a high floor and ceiling and a lower ceiling. So it's like the ceiling isn't much higher than the floor type of thing, which is okay. There's value in that. And this, pro, this profile just feels very safe. So I, I mean, you don't have to, I've been talking about Dylan Carlson, I think for over a year now on this podcast, the guy that yeah. I liked, I think I liked him a few years you ago. Were, even you were big on him in his 2019 season. I don't uh, get really talking him up. I don't get prospects. Like, I'm not a big prospect guy, or at least I wasn't initially, but I would always get lucky. I, I was big on Mercado. He broke out, and then he sucked last year. And then Carlson I was in on. We'll see if that works out in 2021. I think it will. George, where are you at on your third guy? Uh, so my uh, third guy, he's going actually right next to Ian Happen. That's Joey Gallo. Um, so he was really? going – yeah, yeah. So I, I think uh, Gallo's a good value. And he's one of these guys that, I mean, he's going to be like a, a category target, right? I mean, if you're in Roto Leagues, uh, I mean, you're, you're getting them for the power. Um, and you know he's going to play every day. He just won a gold glove. I mean, and he can, you know, chip in a few steals. But, I mean, he was going maybe 70, 80 picks um, earlier uh, last season. And, yeah, he did hit 181. But, I mean, you you kind of going to – you're going to expect like a, a very low average um, – you know, the three true outcomes guy here. Uh, you know, I think he, he is better in points leagues for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he's the one guy going after, you know, like going this late that you could pretty much take 40 home runs to the bank, right? And obviously there's some upside for more. So, I mean, yes, you have to plan for it, right? You have to, you know, draft some average guys around him. But going at 163, I think, you know, Joey Gallo, uh, yeah, someone who could, 
hit 40, 45 home runs, um, chip in some speed. I, I, I think uh, I think he's going at a good price here. I can't do it. I just I can't. I'm with you. I can't either. Oh, man, we agree. Can we, I, okay. can, we, can we boo this man or something? No, no. That's yours. That oh, is for you, we don't, buddy. We don't boo, George. No, no, no. George is the most likable person on this podcast. <laughs> the problem is, Zach, I haven't had a chance to do all these noises yet, these sound bites that we want to make. So I have just the one, and it's yours as long as I can <laughs> keep it yours, buddy. That's what that's about. But like, you know what? Why don't you give me someone to boo? Who's the next outfielder you're targeting? So my next outfielder to target is Clint Frazier right now. ADP of 184. His high pick is 143, and his low pick is 225. Uh, he's a target of mine that I actually typically have not been getting because it seems like Yankee fans tend to reach for him way before I can get him. That's happened numerous times to me already. But Frazier should be the everyday left fielder, uh, according to Aaron Boone. Take that for what it's worth even after the Brett Gardner signing. But uh, like what we saw from Frazier last year, I mean, we know that Frazier has those lightning fast hands. Uh, he improved his walk rate last year uh, up to 15%, and we will see some regression on that. But it's still good to see a more patient approach from Clint Frazier, who has kind of been prone to strikeouts throughout his career. Um I really like Frazier in OBP or OPS leagues. And yeah, I mean, he just, he really looked great last year. He looks like he should solidify an everyday spot in that lineup right in the middle of the order. Uh, we saw some great stat cast metrics from him as well. Obviously mentioned the walk rate. His hard hit rate was in the 72nd percentile and his barrel rate was 82nd percentile. So he's barreling up baseballs. And I think we could see like a 25 to 30 home run season if he gets full-time ABs. And it sounds like that's the case this year. It's clear that Judge and Stanton cannot stay healthy, uh, no matter what they say. It, it it it's it's bound to happen in IL stint for one or two of those guys this year. So if Frazier can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a big piece to that puzzle in the Yankees lineup this year. And he was also a Gold Glove finalist last year, so apparently he improved his defense. And it probably means that he is going to be on the in the field more often than not. So, yeah, I mean, Clint Frazier, uh, love love this kid. And I think he's got a bright future in the Bronx there as long as they play him. Yeah, Clint Frazier is a guy that I feel like I've been on for too long. And it's, uh, there's like that prospect fatigue with him. And he's not a prospect anymore. It's like, what did you mention? He's like 27 years old already. 26, yeah. 26, that, goes yeah. For, that goes for Carlson too. I just feel like a lot of these guys that were big-time prospects, maybe in the last two, year or two, they've kind of fizzled out a little bit, maybe haven't performed as well as everybody thought. And they're really dropping in ADP this year. And I think this is a perfect year, especially coming after the COVID shortened season last year. This is a great opportunity to scoop up some great value late. And I think Frazier is one of those guys, like you were saying, that post-hype prospect fatigue there. Time to get back on track. I'm all over the place. But George, give us your fourth guy. So my fourth guy, another Texas Ranger. Um, actually, I'm coming around on Leody Tavares. Uh, going Are you? Just under- I, I can't do that, man. I'm going to cut you off and just tell you I, I can't come around on him. Yeah, I mean, he's going at just under pick 200. So, I mean, the draft cost isn't crazy, right? I mean, he did uh, play last year a bit in 134 plate appearances, four home runs, eight steals, hit 227. Now, he did strike out 32% of the time. But if you look at his minor league track record, like his highest strikeout rate was 21% in 2019. 
so not someone who typically struck out a lot in the minor leagues. Um, he's a, an elite defender who should play everyday center field for the Rangers, could lead off. Um, he's expected to lead off right now. So, uh, yeah, if he has a, a, you know, proves himself this spring, uh, I, I think he'll be uh, in that leadoff spot. And he's someone who maybe could provide like a similar profile to like a Dylan Moore going like, you know, 80 picks earlier, um, maybe somewhere around like a 250 average and a nice little power speed combo. So I, I'm actually coming around on Leody Tavares, um, especially in Roto leagues, you know, where you can get, um, you know, those power and speed, power and speed is really, um, you know, valuable there in those types of leagues. So yeah, I, I like, I like Tavares. And you and I might finally have a real disagreement here. Cause I just, I can't get behind it. I can't. He has limited track record as it is outside of double A. Actually, he's never been outside double A prior to this little stint you want to call 2020. And I just don't see the on-base skills being there to be a leadoff guy. Am I wrong for thinking that he's not going to lead off all year or even most of the year? I mean, there's holes in that swing. He's shown in. I mean, he's shown to be a good hitter in the minors. So maybe I'm a little... I shouldn't be so apprehensive about the holes in the swing because at every level he did have a, a strikeout rate of 21.4% or better, but he had a 32.1% strikeout rate last year. And that's not fair for me to hold that against him. But even with good strikeout rates, he consistently would hit at times, what, 265, 245, 246, 249, 294 sprinkled in there, but that's high A. It's like he's yet to really be tested at the higher levels and Tavares now goes from only having 65 games of double a experience to being a full-time starter in the pros where we saw him struggle in, in terms of batting average for, for 33 games uh, in 2020. So I know there's speed there. The power is a surprise. I think he made an effort to put some power in his game and maybe by going for some power is what he's maybe he gave up some of the hit tool in the process, you know, a little bit of a trade-off, but he's never been an OBP guy. He's never been – his batting average fluctuates. How sure are we that Tavares is going to end up being a leadoff hitter? And take away the leadoff from him, it kills his value considering where you're taking him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think regardless, like, his defense is going to keep him in the lineup. Yeah. So, I mean, even if he's not leading off all year, I, I think he's still going to provide some value. Like, he's he's not going to be, like, a he's bad – zero, a bad, but – Right. Yeah, because I wondering- think he will steal some bases. He, I think he'll steal, you know, 20-plus bases and can hit – you know, he could be – he could be what we want from Victor Robles. He could be. Or he could be Victor Robles. <laughs> I mean, hey, Victor Robles is going like 30 picks earlier. So <laughs> I do I do like Victor Robles this year, though. But he's not actually one of the five. But anyway, again, back on track. Trying to get back on order. Zach, you may go with your fourth guy. Why, thank you. So my fourth guy is Jesse Winker over in Cincinnati. Love Jesse Winker in OBP formats. Uh, the guy is an OBP darling. Um, he had uh, an interesting season last year. Um, ended up with a 255 average, 388 OBP. He really tore it up in August. Uh, he had like a two-week stretch where he was just lights out. Honestly, probably won people fantasy leagues last year. Uh, he hit 369 in August with a 459 OBP. Right now, Winker is going around 210. Uh, his min pick is 189, max pick of 235. And this is a guy I really love as like maybe a, uh, a third outfielder if you're in five outfielder leagues. I mean, you could definitely fill out that outfield spot for you. Uh, he's batting right in the middle of that since he lineup. Uh, we saw some improvement last year. He struck out a little bit more than usual. But, I mean, some of his stack metrics were just off the charts. Uh, career high and exit velo, 92%. 
hard hit rate, 49%. Uh, but his strikeout rate was the highest it's ever been we, at 25%, um, almost 10% higher than um, his previous high. But what he does, he walks a ton. I mean, a 15% walk rate where the league average is around 8%. So Jesse Winker really gets on base. Uh, he could, if he could move to the top of the lineup, I mean, he could score some runs with that on-base skill. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, sh- we saw the power from him last year with 12 home runs. you got to think that Jesse Winker is going to get some run time over in Cincinnati. I know they kind of have a crowded outfield. Uh, right now, Aki- Akiyama, Castellanos, and Winker are slotted in there. Aquino and Senzel are kind of the odd men out. So if somebody does struggle, um, one of those guys probably would slot in there. But I don't know. I just think Winker's ability to get on base is going to keep him in this lineup. And, yeah, I mean, he's still young. He's only 27, so it's possible that we still haven't seen the best of Jesse Winker yet. I really would have loved to have seen him in a a full 2020 season, what he could have done, because he was just on such a hot stretch there for a little bit, and then he cooled off towards the end. But, yeah, I mean, Jesse Winker is somebody that I'm really intrigued by in, uh, like, the middle to late part of drafts this year. I, you know, I'm going to be a sucker for a guy who changes his plate approach and his, um, his, his, uh, batting stance. He, he was one of those guys I saw, I found in my research that was a batting stance change guy and he changed his approach. And the reason why I'm okay with him changing his approach is he normally has like fantastic contact rates, fantastic. And Winker went from being a fantastic contact guy to a mediocre one, maybe a little above average, but Overall, he sold out for power a little bit. Now, that's not always good because that adds holes to the swing and pitchers will adjust. But he's such a good hitter that I'm expecting him to adjust in turn as well. So I like Winker. I'm afraid of a platoon there with Senzel and their crowd. They have a little bit of a crowded situation as well, given the no DH in Cincinnati. But I expect a trade somewhere to to lighten that load and to be able to fit everyone in there. So we'll see. Winker's a guy that I've been up and down on. I haven't ended up with any shares yet. But a guy that I'm not completely out on either. So I also I don't know if he would be a platoon guy because I mean he actually has pretty even splits against lefties and righties. Two sixty five against lefties and two fifty two against righties. He's actually better against lefties, which is pretty rare. Uh, three ninety OBP against lefties versus three eighty seven against righties. So I don't think this is a guy that you platoon. I mean I think you need him in there every day. Uh, I think. I think Akiyama, honestly, could be the platoon option with maybe Aquino or Senzel. But I really think that Winker is an everyday option over there. Oh, man. Because you're looking at his 2020 splits. Go look at his career splits, buddy. I know. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, just out. Uh, you piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you're looking, at his career, you're looking at his 2020 now. Could those changes coincide with his changes in terms of production matching change of change in approach maybe but let's tell the full story here with as good as he was last year against left-handed pitching he's still now just a 195 career hitter against left-handed pitching again let's i want to make sure people understand after how good he was in 2020 his wrc plus is just 71 league average is 100 by the way for reference his woba just 284 league average is like Three something like 315, 330, I believe, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, OPS career OPS of 617 against left handed pitching. I don't want to hear that he's a good hitter against lefties. So, 
He made yeah. some adjustments in the but yes, the shortened 2020 season, but it's progress, and we like to see yes, that. I agree because Brandon Lau's a guy I often cite when you look at his splits per season, terrible against lefties in 2020 in 2019 fantastic against lefties in 2020 you gotta think there's a happy medium i would like to be optimistic here and say jesse winker did have some growth against left-handed pitching but you cannot try to spin the narrative your direction for your argument i refuse to allow that anyway my guy here another guy i want to talk about and I just I think everyone's in on him, so it's not really a fun one. So I'll keep it simple with him. But it's Jared Klenick. He's a guy I haven't I've been targeting in drafts and haven't been able to get him because like recently I was in a draft where I was like, oh, I gotta have him. He went the round the same round I wanted him. Someone else took him. Cool. Another draft I'm in. Same thing happened. Two picks before we're up. Our tag team, uh, me and Zach's tag team team actually, J- Justin Mason jumped him two picks ahead of us, and it was aggravating because Klenick. We all the rumors are out there. He should be up by the end of April. If that's the case, this is a guy that's giving you power and speed with the chance to hit for really good average. In 2019, he put up a total of 23 home runs and, and 20 stolen bases across three levels when you add it all together. The guy doesn't strike out a ton, and at the highest level, double A, he had an 18.5% strikeout rate. Yes, he only hit 253, but that was with a 246 bad bit. We see him crush the ball. Yes, he has to see pro pitching for the first time. Not pro, uh, he has to see major league pitching for the first time. But at any level, he's never posted a WRC plus under 107 or a Woba under 361. The dude is a stud. I think he's going to have a great year, great rookie year. I think he's the favorite to win the rookie of the year. I think the Mariners can have back-to-back rookies of the year at this point. And I think Kalenic is a guy that can go can just be vaulted into fantasy stardom. He's actually and he's going at a price where I think there's still plenty of potential there in terms of re- return on investment. So Clinic's a guy that I just want shares of, and I haven't had a chance to get him anywhere yet. That needs to be rectified. And like I said, short, sweet to the point. Is there anybody here who doesn't want to take a shot on Clinic? Nope. I think I you're going to see his draft price just keep going up at this because point. Of, because everyone's all hip to yeah. the news of him. Almost surely he'll be up by May, barring injury, basically. Right. That's honestly what concerns me. I think his price is just going to get a little too high for my liking. I don't think he's going to be up in April. Uh, I know that's what they've been saying, but... You can't believe anything that Seattle is saying after what happened this week. I'm not buying any of that. Um, I could see maybe a May call-up, but I don't think they're going to be in any particular rush, honestly. I think they're going to wait it out a little bit, obviously past the Super 2 deadline. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not buying it. I think I'd rather have somebody else pay that price. I personally would rather spend uh, – I know we're not talk, talking outfielders here, but like a, a rookie like Andrew Vaughn or somebody that I know is probably going to be up even earlier – and get full-time at-bats, uh, I would prefer to take somebody like that over Kalenic. And I think Kalenic is just that name. Everybody wants that that top guy, and I feel like he's going to go a little bit higher than Vaughn. So that's my personal preference. Boo this man! We don't need to hear your negativity, man. <laughs> Keep that out of here. And that's why the button is reserved for hey, you. My team traded him away. I can't be super positive about Kalenic. I'm still pissed. I'm still You salt. can't show your Mets yeah. bias so here, we man. We got to take Zach's word with a grain of salt here. Yeah, I exactly. I don't think he's going to be called up in April. We'll see. I'm about to mute you. <laughs> like, I have that power, too. <laughs> but yes, I have too much power. I don't have the power. All right. Something I want to touch on that we don't discuss or haven't discussed on this podcast in terms of strategy, I think... And maybe we're all guilty of it. Maybe you guys aren't. Maybe you have thought of this. I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, Zach, I'll actually start with you. I feel like being nice. 
like, are you keeping in mind that we're actually going to have a full season this year? Because I'm having personally having a hard time transitioning from, oh, my goodness, from sprint to marathon again. Because this is a marathon. We're talking about a full season. There still will be COVID. Players already are coming down with it. There still will be injuries. There still will be all this stuff. There might even be changes in the um, in the schedules at times. But all in all, we're having a full length of a season in terms of you know 160 games more than likely for most teams. Have you transitioned back into that thought? Like I could be a little a uh, little more patient with players. I can be a little more like I can give them a chance to kind of flourish. Or are you kind of still in the mindset of well, I'm going to scrap these players soon anyway if they don't perform. I'm going to turn and burn. I'm going to target plate appearances. Where are you? I know I've rambled on at this point, but kind of curious to get your thoughts on where you're at entering the season. I think I'm probably going to take the patient approach here. I mean, obviously this is going to be a longer season than last year. I do think there are going to be some hiccups along the way. It's clear the universal DH is not resolved yet. There's still a lot of things that probably aren't resolved. Who knows if the schedule is even finalized at this point. Um, like you said, I mean, p- players are already coming down with COVID. We saw Bieber come down with it, a few other guys. Montas. Like, Montas. Uh, vote. Um, I didn't even know that that Void had Voight had it? Or? Vote. Vote. Stephen Vote. Stephen Vote. Oh, Catcher. Yeah, it's, it's irrelevant to fantasy. Hope, I hope it gets better, but I really don't care for fantasy purposes. <laughs> yeah, that was it was just but, a name that popped in my head. I apologize. It's it's gonna it's gonna happen again this year, and who knows? There could be could be more outbreaks. I mean, I have no idea uh, what the situation is with ball players getting the vaccine and whatnot. I actually haven't heard anything about that. But um, yeah, I mean, we need to be prepared for for similar situations to the, from the 2020 season where we saw outbreaks from teams and guys sat out a few games. So I mean, depth is going to be a huge key this year as well. Um, hopefully, leagues will consider that um, as well this season in terms of adding IL spots and maybe deepening bench or just being a little bit more flexible uh, because there's still so much uncertainty. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to wait, wait it out a little bit. It's a long season this year, much more than last year, like I said. And yeah, I mean, some of these guys are going to start out slow. Um, They might be getting a late start to spring training, whether it be recovering from COVID or just uh, reporting late or whatnot. But yeah, I mean, some of these guys, it might take them a little bit longer to get into the swing of things. So yeah, I'm going to take the more patient approach in 2021 here. And hopefully we play 162 or as close to 162 as possible. I agree. And I think it's just not that I'm not going to be patient. I just have to, I have to get out of the mindset in my analysis in terms of, oh, yeah, we're back to a, like a marathon. We can be a little patient. That's why Clinic was like the name that made me think about this, because Clinic, even if he's not up, say, say he's up May 15th, he can still be such a difference maker from May 15th on that he's a guy that like worth drafting because of his skill set and where you can get him and what he can provide to you once he's up and injuries are going to happen. There's going to be so much that goes on and it's just going to be, it's a reminder that this isn't take your time draft with some of the, you want to keep the future in mind, but you don't want to hold on too tightly either. It's a weird balance, but we have to transition as an industry back into, wow, we have a regular season again. And unfortunately it might be followed by another shortened season in 2022 with the CBA, but we'll approach that when it happens until then, George, have you realized like maybe some of your early analysis has been affected by thinking more sprint than marathon, or have you been making it like an easy transition in your head as we go forward? Uh, I mean, you guys made some good points and I think for the most part, it's been a fairly easy transition. I think the biggest difference we're going to see this year, like the biggest impact the short season is going to have on this you know, hopefully normal full season is in the pitching, right? We're seeing a lot of teams come out talking about, um, you know, six man rotations. So that's going to be a big thing to, to monitor, right? Like, you know, pitchers that are on, um, 
you know, teams that ha- are going to be doing a traditional, you know, five-man rotation probably get a big boost over, um, you know, these dozen teams or so that we're seeing come out saying that, you know, they're considering a six-man rotation. So I, I think um, pitching volume is going to be really uh, important. Um, that I think, yeah, as far as my, uh, like, analysis goes, I think that's what's going to be, like, have, like, the biggest impact from the, t- the short season. Have you – can you recall in recent years, like, a successful – six-man rotation that a team has run like i people have talked about it in the past few seasons and i just i can't recall where a team has successfully run a six-man rotation i mean somebody's always getting hurt or uh they're doing openers so it's not like a traditional six-man rotation but i can't recall like i've seen teams talking about it obviously the angels with otani but uh, is there an instance that you guys can recall where it's actually worked out is there an instance you recall we've had a pandemic or kind of came off a shortened season yeah, so I think that's what the, that's, the point is, right? To try to mitigate the risk of injury, you know, of these pitchers taking on a full work- workload again. I do have a question, though, in terms of why are we so concerned about player teams doing that when, A, I think a lot of teams are going to employ it at one point or another. If the Dodgers don't come out pitching a six-man rotation, are we going to expect them not to Dodgeritis their pitchers anyway? Are we not going to probably see most teams do it maybe for a month, month and a half, and then go to the regular rotations anyway. So are we kind of being a little hyperbolic in terms of like our analysis on like, Oh, well this five, this team is five minutes team is six man. I don't think I personally won't treat it any more than a tiebreaker. Like with the Indians, I expect the Indians to have five team or five man rotation. And I like, they already, they, they let the pitchers pitch deep in the games, et cetera, et cetera. But as an example, maybe that's a tiebreaker between Bieber and, I don't know. It's a bad example because Bieber's top yeah. three, but you get my point. I think like one of their guys, one of their guys, and someone else. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bigger advantage in uh, like a bigger thing to look at, like in head-to-head leagues, right? Like if you have Early pitchers, on, yeah. right? In in head-to-head leagues, like if you have guys on six-man rotations, like they're probably not going to get any two-start weeks, um, and so those two-start weeks are huge in in uh, head-to-head leagues, especially like you know points leagues and oh, stuff. So. Yeah, I, I think that could be a big advantage, early, at least early on. Yeah, and that, that's all I'm getting at is maybe it's something it's something you draft like back-end guys knowing who's that, that's when it matters, your back-end guys, your guys that you know you're going to have to stream early in the season or maybe that you want to get some starts early in the season. But I do think by May, mid-May probably, we see a lot of those six-man rotations go back down to five as pitchers are getting into shape and getting throwing more and more often. Or the opposite happens. Maybe some stick with it because they're having success. It's to be determined. I just think we see more go by the wayside than stay. I think you're right, Mike. I think I think we could see teams go more like the Dodgeritis route, where okay, maybe they do the traditional five man rotation, but instead of going to a six, maybe they just place a guy in the DL to miss a start or two. Uh, I think we could see teams maybe doing that instead of going with the traditional six man route um, and just shuffling up guys that way, whether it be calling guys up, um, send guys down. Uh, I think that might be the route the teams go more so than doing a traditional six man for who knows how long until somebody goes down. So it's a good point. Yeah. And that's why I'm thinking they, that this is just kind of a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough, it's really just tough overall. I got nothing else to add there. Don't want to harp on it. We're talking in circles. If I do back to this, back to the show, uh, we're running a little long here so it's, we can hurry this up a little bit. Uh, Michael Brantley's a guy I really like, and it's just a boring player. He's underappreciated. He has only hit sub 300 in just one season since 2011. Can we let that sink in? It's 2021. Michael Brantley has hit under 300 once since 2011. So I don't understand the complete issue. And 
if we want to, we can kind of throw that season out because it was a season he played just 11 games in. So that's probably, if there's one issue with Michael Brantley is you can be a little worried of the, of the health, but we know he's probably gonna give you what? 20 home runs hit 300 plus probably hit for good RBIs in the middle of that Astros lineup. Michael Brantley's a guy that's just underappreciated, undervalued, and a guy that I just like to kind of fall into my team because batting average is hard to come by, especially elite batting average. And I think Brantley offers that, along with not being a zero in other categories, which is a big deal. Like a guy that I liked before they kind of crowded up their situation was Luis Arias because I, I thought he was going to hit towards the top of the lineup, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm kind of out on him now. But Brantley's a guy that you can bank on for that batting average without without sinking you in other categories. Where I was like Arias was like a zero for speed. A min- minimal, for, like uh, pretty much a zero for home runs as well, and I'd rather not take that on if I can avoid it while taking on the batting average and high floor of a Brantley. Boring to the point. Um, everybody, rapid fire, last person, so we can move on here because we are again running a little longer than anticipated. I'll go ahead and go. Uh, yeah, with my last guy, fifth guy here, uh, with uh, Rymel Tapia. I like Rymel Tapia oh. going at pick two forty eight. <laughs> <laughs> Similar to, to to Leody Tavares should lead off for the Rockies. I mean. That in itself, right, has some appeal. Uh, but made some big gains last year um, with uh, the strikeout rate down to 18%, uh, 89% zone contact. You know that Coors uh, inflates Babbitt. He's going to have a good average. Uh, I think he could still, you know, 20 bases there and then, you know, maybe hit 5 to 10 home runs. So uh, I think that's a very usable player, especially in Roto, like as your fifth uh, outfielder uh, to help balance out, you know, some, uh, some batting average uh, that, you know, I mean, you, you just mentioned batting average, right? It's one of the hardest, uh, you know, skills to come by in the draft. So, yeah, I think uh, Tapia is a pretty good player there that could round out your outfield at pick 248. I just am obviously biased. I, I, let me see if there's anybody around him I just prefer. Maybe that's part, part, part of it. Let's see, Tapia. I'm going to pull him up real quick. I, it's supposed to be rapid fire, but, oh, well, perfect. This is why I don't land with Rymel Tapia. He is going between Andrew Benatendi and Austin Hayes, both of which I like a lot more. And Kalenic is right there around him as well. That is why, especially this is over. This is since February first in in draft champions formats. Wait, so, when is the last time Austin Hayes was healthy? Like for a listen, full season? when's the last time Tapia was good outside of a short sample in Coors? Last like, year and the year before. Sure, she was not that good. <laughs> he was not that good. The you know what, 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 words. Wait, 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 wait. No. He, he was alright. I mean, you're saying he's good because he hit. Uh, he did go nine and nine. Okay, that's okay. That's decent. Not <laughs> right. good. But I don't. But the power disappeared. <laughs> My big thing is the power really did disappear. He traded off that power, I believe. Tapia did for batting average, which is fine. You're right, batting average and speed. But I really like Benintendi for the bounce back. I really like Austin Hayes. I know he can't stay healthy of late, but Hunter Dozier, another guy I just talked up, I rather have. He's going after him actually in drafts. So that's why I don't end up with Tapia. I think I'm probably low on Tapia because I'm higher on the guys around him. Right. That's really what it is. Um, but at the end of the day. I, I did just talk up a guy who's boring for batting average and isn't a zero. He's a zero for every, everything else but speed, but he could have some runs if he actually sticks to the lead off spot. Also, what makes me not like him, he plays for the Rockies. Like, <laughs> like the yeah. Rockies are the epitome of frustration and just I have no confidence in the Rockies. How do you have confidence in them sticking with Tapia? Hey, they, I mean, are you betting Some on Tapia at this point? Play every day, right? <laughs> no, they don't. It's the Rockies. No one has to play every day. But yeah, um, I, I, have, I, I have more confidence in Ian Desmond than Ryan Tapia, and Ian Desmond opted Desmond out. Just opted <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. I got one. I had a laughter one just queued up there. All right. 
<laughs> oh man, I'm having so much fun. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, Zach, hit us with your last guy. All right. So my last one, a uh, guy that I was in on going into 2020. I'm still in even after a rough season, and that's Brian Reynolds on the Pirates. I know George was big on on Reynolds last year too. Uh, right now he's going ADP 277, min pick of 247, max of 312. This guy has hit 300 in every stop of professional baseball he's had since 2016, except for the shortened 2020 season. Uh, had a historically low BABIP in 2020, which should improve. Uh, he has a clear starting role on that Pirates team that just, oh, that gutted Pirates team in either left or center field. He should be playing every day. Right now he's slotted into the cleanup spot, uh, but he should be in the top half of that lineup. Love him in OBP leagues. Um, in 2019, hit 377 OBP. Uh, in the minors in 2019, over 400 in AAA. I mean, the guy just hits and he gets on base. Um, I'm not giving up on him just yet. Obviously, it was a rough season last year. He had uh, His wife was pregnant with his first child last year. I mean, I can't imagine playing in a pandemic season with the anxiety of all that going on at home, balancing the home life, bringing in a new child to the world with playing baseball. Like, it's really – especially on, on a horrible team. Like, like, who cares? Like, what's the point? Like, why do you even – prepare and go go through the the vigorous season of a, a baseball season with everything going on in the world and at home. So I feel like he was just not in the right mindset last year, and I'm willing to bet on a bounce back this year, uh, especially at this price. And I love him as a late-round outfield flyer, and I've been really been targeting him everywhere as like my last outfielder, a bench piece, especially in, in deep leagues. Uh, so yeah, Brian Reynolds, I know it was an ugly 2020 season, but um, – the numbers show that he really has performed at every stop, every season. And I think 2020, 2021, when things are kind of back to normal somewhat, uh, I think he'll be better. And, yeah, I think you should definitely look at him as a late-round guy. I know George is probably happy with you right now. I just, I, I'm just, i still not a Brian Reynolds guy. I actually did look into him, though. I just hope he goes back to hitting for average versus – I think he was selling out for power a little bit last year. And now with the ball deadening – his hit tool should shine in terms of being a good batting average asset late, but that's about it I can say for him because I don't think there's much else besides batting average. I'd rather have Tapia for what it's worth. George, is that? <laughs> is yeah, that like, I mean, you know, that... I, I do like the the Brian Reynolds call. I mean, the the plate discipline contact profile was nearly identical to 2019, so it was really just that that low BABIP, and um, I mean, he did have a 10% barrel rate. So, yeah, I, I think there's plenty of upside there, and he's going, like, just right outside pick 300. So I, I think he's, like, a legit, like, outfielder three, you know, potential, and you're getting him really late. I think – and what I mentioned but with Reynolds turning into, like, changing his approach a little bit, we saw an increase in launch angle and pull rate. So I think, again, he was trying to generate fly balls, trying to pull get some power behind his swing. And yeah. with it, we, we saw the increase in top – percentage and yeah. under percentage so what i'm getting at is i think he just missed his spots a lot and that could be all changed because of the change in launch angle it makes sense you're missing your spots and then you're pulling the ball more you could just not be get hitting the ball where you want to sure your barrel his barrels went up but he sacrificed a lot in the process as well that's what I, i'm worried about with him i also wonder if the pirates are not done selling uh we've seen them sell off some of their main pieces obviously reynolds is still young i think he's what like 25 um, you would think he's probably a piece of their future, but I mean, who knows if a team comes calling, uh, maybe he gets put into a better situation with a contending ball club. Maybe that, um, 
I don't know, reinvigorates him a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's possible. But regardless of which team, even if he's on the Pirates, I still think he's going to see everyday playing time. And I like him as a late, late outfielder. Yeah. And one last guy I'll touch on and I kind of did was just Austin Hayes and I will not quit him. He's not even, it sounds like he's fighting for a spot with Cindric Mullins, which I don't understand why they won't just play them both. But anyway, it's another discussion. Real quickly, is, um, I talked about him on PitchCon, so I'm not going to spend too much time. Basically, pre-injury, he had one home run, hit 203, 273, 246. Yes, that is a 246 slug with a 239 Woba, a WRC plus of just 46. The K rate was just under 20%, which is not bad, but I'll get to the point of why I'm mentioning the K rate with Austin Hayes. And his pull percentage was just 36.4%. He actually got hit by a fastball on the ribs, which broke his ribs and ultimately ended up uh, putting him on the IL. And when he came back, you mentioned the pull rate went up to 55, 54.5%. He hit three home runs with a 377, 404, 585 triple slash, a 417 Woba, and 168 WRC plus, with the strikeout rate being only 17.5%. So it got better. The point is, is he was able to generate the power that he wasn't able to while playing injured. And I think ultimately he came around. Now, yes, Austin Hayes has an injury history, but not many people have the power and speed. Like he offers a little bit of speed as well. He's on a zero. So Camden Yards, possibly leading off, power and speed, a good end of the season. I'm going to give him one more chance, but I will not hold on tight if he, or I'll be out on him if he loses the job to Cedric Mullins, who did finish the year strong, if I remember correctly. So there is some competition there. It's not a guarantee necessarily, but I'm willing to take a shot on Austin Hayes late in drafts. And that's going to do it for the five of each. I should have known. I should have done three of each knowing us. But here, we're going to rapid fire this. Who is one of your favorite deep league targets going outside the top 300 in drafts, George? Uh, well, my guy was uh, – it was Brian Reynolds, actually. <laughs> oh, well, then there you go. That's easy enough. So you're very much on par with Zach. Um, I have a guy – it's Franchi Cordero. I'll never get. I'll never get rid of him. I'll never quit him. I just drafted him in a DC actually, and now that he's in Boston, I think he still might platoon. But man, I think the playing time—if it wasn't secured before, given like you know Michael Taylor being over there with the Royals and and all that—and then they had um, Edward Olivares. Now who's who's in his way? Kike Hernandez, uh, Marvin Gonzalez. Like you see what I'm saying here? There's not there was not much stopping Franchi from getting everyday playing time. There's a lot of power, a lot of speed, a lot of raw tools there. But the batting average is a concern. So you need to build that up before taking him or have a backup plan. But Franchi Cordero is a guy that I'm just not going to give in on and a guy that I'm willing to take a shot on for the for the loud tools and hope that he hits 250 in the process. Zach, I know there's a guy. I know your guy. And if you don't pick him, I'll be very surprised. Who do you think the guy is? Hunter Renfro. It's not. Really? I was looking he's playing, at He's playing every day in Boston. Uh, I'm surprised. I thought last year. I don't know. Could still be a situation i still like me some hunter renfro but um that love has kind of fizzled out over the yeah past. well he burned you he, he burned me good i was really in on that and we all saw how that worked out he yes. got out of town um but a guy that i, I could take a, a dart throw late on is is maybe david peralta going around um around 300 i think he's roughly around like 277 or so the past couple of weeks but that doesn't lost. fit the narrative but it's okay go ahead okay, well 300 isn't that what it was post 300 He's going 301. How about that? Oh, oh, you said 277. I apologize. So 301, go for it. So David <laughs> Peralta, he's locked into the cleanup spot. He's actually like he's a safe floor type of guy. Figure you could get 20 home runs out of him, 70 runs, RBIs, 280 plus average. Nothing sexy, but it's productive at uh, 
pick 300 or so. Um, yeah, I mean, that's somebody that I would maybe target late uh, in that Arizona lineup. All right, and that's going to do it for that segment, of the favorite, our favorite deep league target or one of our favorite deep league targets. I want to touch on a few names briefly, and obviously points leagues. We talked about a lot of these names in depth, so I want to just touch on some points leagues, guys, players that may be undervalued because ADP is heavily influenced by Roto Leagues and all that. So I want to talk about some points leagues risers, maybe some followers in the process. Uh, George, do you have a couple names of guys that just stand out as obvious must gets or obvious players that should be up higher ranks in points formats um well i mean um ian hap right i mean these guys that, <laughs> <laughs> i mean these guys that have you know good plate discipline high walk rates you know joey gallo is uh both of these guys i i highlighted earlier um gallo you know, strikes out too much for me though that's what scares me his strikeout rate is so like it almost counteracts a lot of the gains you get for power and on base percentages yeah, Gallo, yeah personally. He'll, be, uh, he'll be a little streaky, but we, we've actually highlighted quite a bit of them, like, you know, Jesse Winker. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, typically you Tom, like to... Tom Smith, probably. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And maybe guys who, you know, don't contribute big, like, big-time home run and steal totals, but will hit, like, you know, three, like a Michael Brantley. Um, so a lot of these guys, actually. Yeah, in, in points leagues, maybe Alex Trent Grisham. Let me ask you about Trent Grisham. High OBP, doesn't strike out a ton. He's going roughly top 15, top 20 in drafts. Um, are you more willing to take him there? Do you, would you push him up top 10-ish? Like, would you rather have Trent Grisham or Luis Robert in points leagues? Oh, uh, yeah, that one's that one's tough. But I, I think I would go Grisham. I think he does get a pretty good boost in, in points leagues, too. What about points Whit Merrill? Yeah, what about Whit Merrifield or Trent Grisham in points leagues or OBP leagues? Now, I'm, I'm just off Merrifield in general. Okay, I, I would perfect, go- so... Yeah. <laughs> so we'll keep it simple. I'm just trying to see how high I can go here in the Mike Trout or no, I'm kidding. Uh, Grisham Grisham is arguably a top 10 outfielder because those are names like you'd have to take. You have to consider Grisham around Marcelo Zuno, which in OBP, I think that's comparable because you what you're losing out in power from Grisham, you're gaining in speed. Kyle Tucker, uh, that's comparable as well. But I think that's where he belongs in that top 10 to 12 conversation. And I'm just like, that's kind of a name. So obviously we highlighted a couple of followers. If you look at what Merrifield, Lola, he doesn't strike out a ton. He doesn't walk a ton either. Power's not really there. So, so points leagues, what Merrifield falls guys like Luis Robert strike, like terrible strikeout rate. So if he can't get that under, under control, he's a guy I'm dinging until I see he doesn't, isn't going to strike out a ton because he's given his volatility and his plate approach. So Luis Robert is a guy that I think falls in points leagues. Kevin Biggio is interesting. I almost say the, the ADP is justified for Kevin Biggio in a points league. OBP league, he gains value, but points league, I think he sustains because he just kind of strikes out a lot and counteracts a lot of the walks and he doesn't hit for a ton of power. So there's a little bit like, I think he just kind of sustains his ADP, whereas I'm dropping him in Roto, raising him in OBP. I kind of talk about everybody. I'll let you hear Mets guy. What are your thoughts on Conforto in OBP and points leagues? I think you got to love him, right, Zach? Yeah. Love the fact that he can get on base. I really try to avoid the big strikeout guys in OBP yes. and get those high OPP guys. So, yeah, Conforto fits that mold. The average is going to see regression this year, but the OBP is is always there. You're looking at a guy in like the 370, 380 OBP range maybe. So, yeah, I, I like Conforto in points and definitely OBP leagues. I think people often forget, and I'm guilty – that a lot of points leagues do minus one for K's. So some of these guys like a Miguel Sano, it's a different, obviously different uh, team, a different uh, position, but guys that are like, are going to hit for a ton of power, even be decent OBP guys. 
can lose some of that value because of their high strikeout rates. So that's why Gallo doesn't seem like a guy for me that gets a big, huge boost in points, more so in OBP. But that's just something worth mentioning because a lot of people, including like, you know, I look at CBS, I reference CBS's uh, format for points leagues, to be honest, and they do the minus one for strikeouts. So a, a guy like Nick Castellanos, surprisingly to me, I don't like him in points leagues. The OBP is not really there. The strikeouts aren't really there, but the power hasn't really shown up either. So he's a guy that's just kind of meh. He is my definition of meh in pretty much every format. Like it's weird, but in points specifically, I'm not a huge fan of Castellanos. Do either of you care for him there? Or it's just a guy that, because we mentioned so many people gaining value that maybe he's a guy that you just kind of drop down because of it. Like a, yeah, I agree with the He's like kind of like a victim of the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, we're going to see that low average, that high strikeout rate. He'll hit you maybe 30 bombs, but there's going to be a lot of negativity there as well. Well, the uh, strikeout rate isn't going to be bad, but he's just not going to get on. He doesn't get on. He's not a high OBP guy, so it's like a weird, like he's okay, but but then like Jeff McNeil, I'd rather have him. You know you're, you know what you're getting. Yeah. Eddie Rosario, a guy you're high on, George. You, th- I think he has to drop in points leagues. Yeah, yeah. So someone who, yeah, doesn't, doesn't walk a lot, like Eddie Rosario, like Nick Castellanos, even like, you know, down the line a bit, like uh, Anthony Santander that, you know, some guys are really high on him this year, but he doesn't walk like, you know, a lot at all. So yeah, guys like that take a little bit of a hit. Um, And I just wanted to touch on points leagues a little bit because we don't do it enough. And I know there's a lot of people who play them. I'm getting points leagues questions. I actually have one that entered my DMs as the show started, which I got permission to ask you guys your thoughts because I gave him my answer. But uh, yeah, we're, we can get to those questions. What do you guys want to do? The written questions, the ones that were tweeted at us, or the ones in the. I want to hear the, some voicemails, man. Want to hear some voicemails? Okay, well, we have one question via voicemail, but one comment, and well, one's one's a pseudo question. I'm gonna end. I'm gonna end it. I'm gonna end on a bang with that one question. So I'm just gonna pull them up here. Here we have a guy that's just showing some love, which we can always appreciate. So we're gonna play that. Hi, this is Aaron from Wisconsin. I just wanted to be the first person to say, long-time listener, first-time caller. I appreciate how accessible both of you are and the information you both provide. Keep pumping out the great content. Thank you. That is awesome. Like, Love it. Like, and the first, the whole long-time listener, first-time caller thing, it's funny because you were actually the first voicemail I received, so it worked out completely Appreciate it. And obviously, I love hearing your name, where you're from. We just love to hear our listeners, and we want to include you more in the podcast. Literally, as you heard, in the podcast. So let's go with a, the question now. There's no name attached here, but you're going to hear your voice, whoever mystery listener is. Hey, guys. Love the podcast. Thanks for taking my question. In my keeper league, the second baseman available are very thin. Basically, uh, like Moustakas, Segura, and Wong. Should I go after Simeon or Polanco as my shortstop and hope they can become my second baseman after 10 games? How much better are they, if any, than what's left at second base? Thanks. So I did reach out, or he actually reached out to me to let me know it's a points league. And so he's asking about, like, does he go after the Moustakas types, Segura's long, which I would think we're all out on long, or would he be better served letting, like, you know, waiting on a Simeon or going after a Simeon or a Polanco who should gain second base eligibility? Uh, George, do you have an answer for that? I love the idea of uh, picking up Marcus Simeon uh, and just waiting like a week for him to pick up that second base eligibility. Uh, should hit high in that Toronto lineup. Um, you know, these NL teams could maybe even take a hit with the no DH, right? Um, so might prefer if, you know, if it's close, you might just prefer the guy in the AL anyways. So, yeah, I, I really like uh, Marcus Simeon. 
Uh, it's a good landing spot there in Toronto. A big improvement as far as the park goes, the lineup, uh, just the whole situation. So, yeah, I, I like personally, I, I'm really high on Simeon this year. So I, I think that's the route I would go. Even in a points league, I think he's your best bet out of these names you offered. And if I'm ranking them personally, I'm going to go Simeon, Mustakis, Segura, and then a, a tier break, and then Polanco, and then Long. That's how I would rank these five. Um, a, I guy agree. You might, a guy you might want to look for in, in points leagues, though, someone who's second base eligible and not getting a lot of attention in points formats, is Tommy Lastella. Like, he might be in a platoon, so you got to be careful. But the dude just gets on base a ton. He's not going to be a big power. He's not going to be a big power threat, but he's just going to be a guy who you can kind of bank on. I think there's some safety there. So, Zach, mm-hmm. I'll let you speak on this. Do you have any difference in opinion? Is there anything that comes to mind? No, I, I kind of agree with you guys. I mean, I, I like Simeon in that Toronto lineup, and Moustakas is another option that I, I really do like with his position, uh, multi-position flexibility there. Um, in a points league, I mean, that 11% walk rate last year was solid, typically around league average or above league average slightly throughout his career. Um, so, yeah, points league guy, I mean, hopefully 30 home runs, uh Run producer in the middle of that order. I, I I could take that as my second baseman in uh in a points league for sure. So yeah, those are the the two options. I, I really do like Colton Wong this year in Milwaukee, but probably more so for a roto format. I'm not sure I love it for for points as much. Um, but I, I am a, a Wong fan. If you uh, don't feel like giving up too much um, in a deal for those other guys. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a Simeon Mustakas guy in this in this scenario here. I do wonder if he said Wong and it came up as long in the... Uh, Shedlong? Like Shedlong. I, I didn't think... I'm like, Shedlong, that's why I was like, Long isn't a great target, but Wong... Shedlong, Colton Wong. I am not in on. But Colton, but Colton Wong. Long, Colton Wong. Yeah, see, that might be the only downfall to the voicemail stuff. I apologize. Um, the, way it, the way it reads, because we actually have it it's Either written man. out here. Yeah, so written out long, but if it's Wong, hey, we're talking about Colton Wong too. I like Wong. I, I would actually mm-hmm. – hmm, I might take Wong. I think I might put him between Moose and Segura personally. Yeah, I well, I like Segura. I think Segura is safe, high floor, but I would put him in the same tier as a Segura. I think it would yeah. be a matter of preference. Uh, I think Polanco, for me, is just the guy who falls because it looks like he might not even be getting everyday playing time. So yeah. it's like – so Wong, though, I think Wong, in my opinion, would gain some value. Obviously, I don't think he met, meant Long. I think that's just how it was picked up by the voicemail. So, <laughs> And we can move on. But a longtime listener, a friend of the show, a friend of mine, a friend of the community gave us a question in Yancey. So we are going to play that one. Not even it was, I lied. It was a question. Way to ruin it. Hi, Mike. I just wanted to ask you one question. If I told you you had a nice body, would you hold it against me? Hey, bye. If I had, if I, if he told me I had a nice body, why hold him against him? If he's offering, absolutely. That's, that's it. That's it, Yancey. I'm glad you chimed in, buddy. That was awesome. But seriously, the, to all of you that, uh, you know, gave us a little fun here, let us test this out. Appreciate it. It's a lot of fun for us. We honestly, it's kind of surreal that we're doing, like for me, it's kind of surreal to be doing this. It's kind of a thing I never thought we'd ever do on a podcast. So I'm really excited to include you guys. And we have actual listener questions as well from Twitter we're going to read. But it's fun that we actually were able to physically get you on the show. Thank you for listening and thank you for the continued support. A few last questions we can run out of here after we finish our, um, our right here from Fantasy B Central. I ran this through Fantasy Pros, I guess FantasySP.com. Is Rendon worth the same as Griffin Canning? Um, I can answer this real quickly that I don't, th- and I think we all agree that I can't think of a scenario where there'd be any comp there. I think Rendon is far worth far more than that. 
without a second like there it would have to be like a crazy league for it to even be close that's that's an actual trade that's under consideration it, he ran it through like a like a trade i don't know or yeah i trained simulator i guess and yeah, yeah that's terrible that's not a good not no, a good yeah. trade simulator <laughs> yeah that's the fact even that that came up it's a pulse league and you're looking for starting pitcher you can do much well, better let's let's uh let's actually help him out a little bit here like so who would be like a type of starting pitcher that you could look at for? you you came you up really with contr- you came up with a good uh question there <laughs> right i mean let's help the guy out right i mean so yeah. who who would you ask for like if you had anthony rendon right what kind of starting pitcher can you expect uh, back like hmm. I'm pulling up the ADP now just to get some names in my head. Um, hmm. I think like I, I would. That's that's actually a perfect name. I think Lance Lynn would be great. Crasco. I think you have to ask for guys that are older with a little bit of injury history because it's going to be hard. Or you're going to have to take a shot. Like if it's a redraft league, you might be able to get a Blake Snell or a Tyler Glass now. And those yeah, are guys that you, I'm, I don't prefer. But what about uh, Corbin Burns? That's the name. Yeah. I'm looking at. Right I'll there. take Corbin. I would take Corbin Burns if I if I needed you pitching. Corbin Burns straight up. Anthony Rendon. If I needed pitching, if it's a points league, yes. Mm-hmm. Even though Rendon's great in points leagues, it's about the pitching market and the value of pitchers. That's maybe why. Also, maybe also Plesak or Sonny Gray come to mind. I like them a lot too. I probably would, but it depends on the league. If it's a shallower league, we're, you have to remember, Rendon is fantastic in points leagues. Fantastic yeah. overall. But yeah. pitching is so hard. Elite pitching or potential yeah. for elite pitching is so hard to come by in those leagues because of how high pitching goes off the board. I'm willing to... If I have the depth, trade off a Rendon for what would be considered a lesser tier pitcher, but somebody I think can be a solid top 25 guy. Yeah, I wouldn't even like, you know, th- those are good names that we threw out. But like with Rendon, you can even start with, you know, maybe a Zach Gallen or a Brandon Woodruff. You know, you can even try to go there first. Oh, yeah. Definitely always start high, but don't st- never go like, I'm going to go for Walker Bueller. That's not going to happen. Like, don't start too high. You have to find your sweet spot. I think people might not be as high as the as the industry is on Brandon Woodruff or Zach Gallon. So I think those are great names, great names to try for. And then if you settle, maybe try high, settle for Lance Lynn and Carrasco. And obviously, if that's not happening. Settle a little lower. But I think none of us, no, if we can all avoid it, we wouldn't want to give up Rendon for Burns, Plesak, or Gray, right? Mm-hmm. But I think most of us, I think depending on team need and context, we would probably consider it. Uh, Jeff at Jeff underscore BAME on Twitter asks, what is the deepest position? He actually asks three questions. So I'm going to go with the deep. What is the deepest position? We'll start with that. I think outfield's the cheap answer, but <laughs> beyond yeah. outfield, beyond outfield, anyone? Oh man. Beyond I'm thinking, outfield. I'm starting to, I'm no. starting to, I'm starting to think first base just because. Uh, honestly, yeah. First base actually goes a little deep. Like I feel like third base hits a hard wall that just falls off completely. Yeah, but third base is really deep too. But I think what it is is first base. The, the standard isn't as high. So you're getting a lot of the similar skill sets for a longer period of time. You have CJ Crone signing. He's getting a shot. You have guys you can fall back on like Brandon Belt, similar skill set, but better. Right. Know. You, uh, of all the infield positions, I definitely find myself being able to wait longer on first base. Yes, that's yeah. where I'm at with first base. And there's also late guys, young guys like Andrew Vaughn. Uh, Evan, Evan White. Evan White's going for like nothing in drafts. Like he was like he was actually somebody people were really like last year and just kind of people just like off them all of a sudden. Um, Another name right. that I find myself targeting also for first base, Nate Lau. Uh, in yeah, Texas, no. I think he's low. I think he's Nate Low. I think it's Brandon Lau. Lowe. Sorry, Lowe. Uh, I'm just letting you know because it's like it's it's frustrating because then there's a Josh Low, but I think that could be Lau's brother. So I'm not sure what that's going on with there. I gotta look that up. 
Anyway, when do you draft tier one catcher? I don't. But if I do, I usually end up with a Will Smith or a Sal Perez, considering where they're going in comparison to a Real Muto. Maybe Contreras. I find the ones that I'm getting, if, if I find that Real Muto is falling a little bit, then I'll scoop him. But I won't have any Sal or Will Smith shares. Maybe Contreras or Grandel. And if it's not those three, then I'm most likely just kind of waiting it out. Oh, I always, especially if it's a one-catcher league, I always wait. If it's a two-catcher league, I don't mind grabbing one good one. Sean Murphy is a guy I think we all love every year. We have to be careful with Murphy, though. He is coming back from a collapsed lung. Should be ready for the season, last I read, but we'll see. In all the drafts that I've done so far, the guy I keep coming back to is James McCann, just because he's got playing Because you're a Mets fan. That, but he also has consistent playing time, and there's really not <laughs> time. <laughs> is, Do you Thomas, want- is Thomas Nito really going to take playing oh, time with James McCann? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I'm not gonna bother. Let's move Zach, on. Don't you have your own Mets podcast? <laughs> yeah, keep keep that Mets talk over there, dude. Uh, who is a player? Again, these are all from Jeff uh, Bame on Twitter. Jeff underscore Bame. Who is a player you find yourself taking in, more, in the majority of mock drafts? Well, I we just are we're just drafting and we're drafting real leagues at this point um, for the most part. So I know you mentioned Ian Happ. Is that kind of your guy at this point? Yeah, that's that's the one guy that I've really been able to get everywhere. I, mine is Hunter Dozier. <laughs> like that's a guy I've been every like, so far every real draft, every mock. Hunter Dozier is a guy I just find myself getting in a lot of places. Zach, where you at? Like I said, I've been waiting on first base. I seem to be taking a lot of Andrew Vaughn, and I seem to be coming up with a lot of Justin Turner. I like him right in the middle of the Dodgers lineup. Still, um, those are the two names I have a lot of. I also seem to be taking a lot of Moncada. Uh, I think he's been dropping, and I really like the value on Moncada this year. One final question. Person wants to remain anonymous, and that's what that's fine with us. Ten team points league. They have the third pick, and they're a lot. I guess I, don't, I guess keepers. They they, they wanted. They thought that factored into the keepers. I kind of ignored it when it came to the keepers. He wants to know: Should he keep Bueller in the third or Nola in the sixth? He he can lock them in for three years, regardless, unless he changes his mind on the road. I guess. So basically, if you have three years of Bueller in the third or Nola in the sixth, which do you want? 10-team points league. Oh, man. Uh, I'm personally leaning Nola just because I think he's probably going to eat more innings than Bueller, and you get uh, the better pick back. So I'm going Nola. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That is exactly what I said because I answered him earlier, and I asked him for permission to put this on the podcast because I wanted your opinion because I think Bueller's the better pitcher uh, long-term. I think this year Nola's going to outproduce him. But in a points league, I want somebody who's solid, steady, going to get me the innings. And he, he could be, even if he's not in the same tier, say Bueller takes that step, Nola's going to be the cheaper price going forward. So that makes mm-hmm. up that difference. I think we're all in agreement there. With that, I want to remind everybody, if you want to hear yourself on this podcast, you want to give us questions to talk about and answer, don't forget to call the phone number 904-990-4833. Call us, leave us a voicemail, tell us, or just... Leave us a thought. Obviously, we play just about anything. We had a fun time tonight. As always, you can follow us all on Twitter. George is at Roto underscore Nino. Zach is at BravZ. I'm at Mike underscore Curlin. Don't forget to hit us with a five-star rating and review on the way out. And please reach out to us on Twitter. Let us know what you think about the new little fun we're having, the new little flair we're putting on the podcast. And yeah, we look forward to hearing from you. We really hope you take us up on this offer to get on the podcast and ask us some questions. So again, thank you as always for listening. Thank you for your time. And we will talk to you soon.